You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we wrap up the end of the Jets' season, explosive post-game comments, plus some playoff picks. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it here. You may have uh, noticed there was no episode this past Friday. Well, that's because on Wednesday, literally right as I was about to get ready to head out downtown for Jets Flyers, I found out that everyone, including myself and my household, tested positive for COVID. So that uh, that ended that one pretty quick. Pretty bummed that I couldn't watch it in person. But, you know, as it turns out, that was actually the only good thing that's happened to me for the past week or so. Because I didn't have to watch one of the worst NHL games you'll ever see in person and spend a, a bunch of cash in doing so. So there was one slight positive break for me in that. But... You know, finally starting to feel a little bit closer to normal after a few really, really rough days, which is awesome. So that's why I was off Friday. My apologies there, but trying to make up for it by coming at you a little bit early here on Monday. And on top of it, you know, I didn't really have much of a choice but finding a way to get behind the mic. Because who would have thought there would be so much to talk about after a meaningless Game 82, a day after the rest of the NHL stopped playing. And I'll pick a few nuggets from the game a little bit later in the episode, but all anybody really wants to talk about right now in Winnipeg is, quite obviously, the post-game comments from Mark Shifley, and then from some other members of the team in response to that as well. And it's interesting because... A few years ago, and I might have this wrong, but I believe it was after the loss to the Blues in the playoffs. There was the end of the year presser where Mark Shifley just kind of sat in, in stunned silence. And you could just read the body language, right? That, like, he didn't say a whole lot, but he was clearly rattled by, you know, apparently what was said to him at the end of the year meetings between himself, Jets coaching and Jets management. Well, you didn't need a body language expert in 2022 because all you needed was a set of years to understand that Shifley made himself pretty clear about where things stand right now between him and the organization. So I always think it's important 
in situations like these, especially ones that can get you know pretty nasty from a, a fan base perspective, to hear the questions and then the answers in full to get the proper context. So if you haven't heard it yet, here's the exchanges that everybody's talking about from Mark Shifley himself when asked about his future here in Winnipeg. There's been talk of changes in the organization. Your name has been speculated. What it, I guess my question is, do you, do you want to be in Winnipeg? Or how, where do you see your, kind of, your future right now? You know, obviously I, I love it here. You know, it's been the only place I know. Uh, you know, I obviously think there's a lot of, a lot of big questions to be asked this offseason. Um, you know, about where the team's going and, and what's all going to happen. And that'll, you know, happen, happen tomorrow. And, you know, I'd love to be in Winnipeg, but, you know, I also have to see where this is all going and what, where, what direction this team's going in. And I guess we'll see this summer. Mark, what do you need to hear tomorrow in your exit meeting? I think I just have to know, uh, I just have to understand where this team's going. Um, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the prime of my career. Um, you know, I, I still, you know, I still like I have, I still have so much to improve on too. And, um, and I, I, I like where my game's at. I like, you know, the, you know, the physical nature that my, that my body's at. And I think I'm, I'm only improving. I'm only getting better. I'm only going to be a better player next year than I was this year. And, um, I just have to know where this team's going and what the direction is and, you know, what the, what the changes are, what the changes are going to be if, if any. And, um, you know, I have to think about my career and my, you know, what's going to be best for me. And I think those are going to be, I'm going to have to, you know, talk to my agents and, and everyone in my family and stuff like that and figure out what, what I really want. And so it'll be a tough talk tomorrow. Um, why would it be a tough talk tomorrow? <laughs> right? Because, you know, if I didn't know any better, those were the words of a player who's about to hit free agency this summer. Not not the words of somebody who has two more years left on his contract, right? If you're planning on staying in Winnipeg for the next two years, it's not going to be too tough of a meeting, right? I, I think we can all kind of get a sense of where this is going. And look, I know people were rightly very upset at what he said there. And it felt like, I, I don't know if this was trending on Twitter or not, but it felt like 99% of the fan reaction was, don't let the door hit you on the way out. There was nobody that I saw that was still in support of number 55. And what was interesting to me is that at first, I wasn't really angry with what Mark had to say there. Surprised for sure. Surprised that he would be as open and blunt about it like that. But but I wasn't angry because what you heard there was a public trade request without officially saying the words, I want to be traded, right? Like you don't mention talking to your agents and family about next steps when you have two years left on your deal and you're fine with where you're at. Like it was quite clearly Shifley's first public move at saying that, you know, he wants out of Winnipeg and he's going to be playing somewhere else next year. So I kind of, I understand from a player's perspective why you might want to go down that route, which is why I wasn't, you know, feeling a ton of, a ton of negative emotion towards that. But then the more I thought about it, Honestly, yeah, the angrier I did start to get. Because just listen to the comments from other players on this team these past few weeks leading up to this game. And, and we've played a bunch of them right here on the podcast. And I I don't even know all the, right? But Ehlers, Connor, Morrissey, 
Pionk. Pionk saying he was awful this year and he's embarrassed at his play. Uh, Brandon Dillon. Paul Stasny. Blake Wheat. Like, uh, there's a, I, I might be missing a few names as well here. But all those guys, they were saying the right things. They were preaching accountability, owning up to their awful season, whether or not it was true individually, owning up to the team's awful season, and then demanding that both themselves and the team needed to be better, even if it was or wasn't true. But then you have Shifley step up there, one of the core leaders of this team. He's been out the past week or two, talking about not getting the chance to make the Olympic team. One of the first things he mentioned, I you know, tough year, didn't get to play in the Olympics. Yeah, well, you weren't going to make it anyways. But also, oh, I don't know what direction myself and this team are going in. And oh, my future is uncertain. And I don't know what's going to happen here. And I, 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 me, me, me. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, if there was any doubt by anybody, maybe including myself, about the dysfunction with this team, there it was out in the open for everybody to see. And I don't know how you could have any doubts about when, when people talked about there's something wrong, there's something rotten with this team. I think we finally got our answers officially here today. And then you have Paul Stasny step to the mic alongside Captain Blake Wheeler. And Stasny is just an absolute beauty for this. But the old man just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> and he actually unleashed this diatribe. And it wasn't even a, about, about a question asked to him. You know, Blake Wheeler was asked a question about the team's inability to play you know, systems well all season long, despite having two different coaches. And after Wheeler gave his response, Paul Stasny had to make sure to get this off his chest right here. We got to be held accountable, whether it's player on player, and we got to have more respect for each other. And when you don't have that, when you don't care about the teammate next to you, potentially, and you just care about, you know, what you're doing or, or certain individual things, you know, that kind of starts bleeding the game. If guys are held more accountable, if there's more respect for each other, you know, I'll give you an example. It was uh, Who was it? It was Vancouver. I think they lost the game in overtime for like 10 games ago, and Boudreaux called out one of their players. And it sucks. It sucks when something like that happens. But that player, I think the next game they played that same team at three points was plus three. The next game he was better defensively. Like... All it takes is one time to get embarrassed, and everyone hates it. And it's happened to us, whether it's in juniors or college or professional, and you learn from that mistake, but that's what needs to happen. But you also have to uh, have, like, self-awareness. You also have to realize that sometimes you do have to sacrifice a little for the greater of the team. That is about as big of a call-out as you'll get in the NHL these days. Calling out a teammate like that. And it's, it's not a coincidence either that these comments took place pretty closely one after the other. And if you get the chance to, I would suggest, you know, head to JetsNHL.com, watch the minute or two leading up to this response from Paul Stasny, because you can literally see him squirming and wanting to jump in a few different times while Blake Wheeler is giving some more diplomatic responses before Stasny can't take it anymore, and he just says enough's enough and unleashes what he's thinking there. And, uh, you know, not not a shot at Wheeler, by the way, but just so, so evident that Stasny and I think a large chunk of that room have just had it with the way certain players have acted this year. And, and for a guy like Stasny, who's been in the league forever, and Jets fans know it, plays the right way 99% of the time, 
It's probably been eating away at him for a long time, and it wouldn't shock me either if he said a few things behind closed doors as well before ultimately saying enough is enough and I got to do something and I got to say something publicly here. And good for him to say that. And again, going with that word accountability. You have a player demanding that they be given, like just pleading that this group of players gets more of that, which... You know, on an aside, I think speaks volumes of the organization struggles these past few years, but just asking for a little bit more tough love when it comes to the actions of certain players when they're out there on the ice. So good for Stasny for staying, good for Stasny for saying that, you know, it's another issue if he's going to be back this year, which he did touch on, said he's going to leave all options open, hopefully you know, the Winnipeg Jets can find a way to convince him to come back because that's a guy I think quite clearly this team needs to hear more from going into next season. And then, to top it all off, interim coach Dave Lowry had this to say when asked about Mark Shifley's comments. The second one that was kind of surprising was Mark Shifley was asked if he sees himself here long term. He said a lot of wonderful things about Winnipeg, but also that he needs to sort of see what direction the franchise is going in. And if that's the perspective of a player under contract, I mean, was that a challenge for you? Was getting his buy-in difficult this season? I, I, I think the biggest the biggest thing coming out of what Mark said is that, uh, you know, he's going to have to have his meeting, he's going to have to go through the process, and then he's going to have to make a decision. That is, you know, that's something that uh, I'm not going to control. That sounds like a guy who's officially just said, not my problem anymore, <laughs> right? Nope, not dealing with that again. Whether I'm back or not, not my problem. And so it'll be, it'll be fascinating to hear how Kevin Chevalier addresses what was said yesterday in his postseason presser. Because, yeah, I, I just I think it's quite clear to everybody here. I don't think I'm being controversial in saying this. This has reached a point of no return. Mark Shifley wants out. He's not particularly wanted back in the locker room at the moment, and I just don't think it's a surprise if management feels the same way and, you know what, everybody's on the same page and we move our separate directions at some point this summer. So, I mean, the fireworks are already beginning, and we haven't even sniffed the offseason yet, so it's just, it's, it's a crazy, crazy end to what's been an awful disappointing season here in Winnipeg. What's also crazy, before we move on from this, just because we will spend a lot of time in the near future discussing you know, where things go for Shifley and the Jets moving forward, what's crazy is just how sad it is that this whole thing has unraveled so quickly. It was only four years ago, four or five years ago, right? When there was talk of captaincies and statues, you know, fan favorite, Jersey up in the, all that stuff, right? Like just, just a few years ago to, to where we are today where the fan base has done a complete 180 and Mark Shifley is public enemy number one in Jets Nation. And to be totally fair is that, you know, that everyone's justified in thinking that because of, let's call it what it is, effort and attitude issues. I just didn't see it ending this way. And if Shifley does depart this offseason, I mean, wow, what a traumatic turn of events for a guy that early on looked like he was going to be a lifer here and have his jersey hung up in the rafters someday. Instead, it's going to end in a much, 
much more disappointing fashion, which is, you know, kind of on par for the way this season has gone. So some, some tough talk coming up indeed. Now, before we move on to a few notes from the end of the year, some playoff picks and some love to my man, Dennis Bayak, as well as he rides off into the sunset. Do want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings with the playoffs basically here right now. The official sports betting partner of the NHL is a big deal for you guys. Where if you bet just a dollar on any team to win, you get 150 bucks in free bets if they do. Plus, if Sportsbook is not available where you live just yet, remember, you can play for free when thousands of dollars every day with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team to win, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply, See show notes for details. All right, so a few notes to touch on from Game 82, a comeback win against the Seattle Kraken, and maybe even more so, just a look back at, and, you know, it just popped out to me while watching the game, but it it also includes the past couple of weeks of the regular season as well. But in a year that's gone about as poorly as you could imagine, and the team is ending their playoff hopes before they ultimately even began, there was a sliver of positivity once the team finally bowed out of the playoff chase. And that's the fact that the Winnipeg Jets, and and credit to these young guys for stepping up, but they might have found themselves a couple regulars in different spots of the roster going into next season. Because in watching that Kraken game, I, I just don't know how Morgan Barron isn't one of the 12 forwards on opening night next season. I mean, and and wherever he ultimately ends up in the lineup, right? Whether it's on the fourth line, whether it's a complimentary piece somewhere in the top nine, the kid's proven that he's he's an NHL player and he's ready to contribute right away. He's going to get better and better too. But in the here and now, uh, he's helped this team out tremendously in the past couple of weeks. And he's done so on a few different lines. He's done so with different different talent levels, different styles of play as well, and he's fit in pretty much anywhere he's gone. So that's that's a huge testament to a, a kid coming into a new organization, getting a chance due to some injuries, and then taking full opportunity of that. He is, yeah, he's going to be a player for this team. And look, and it's funny too, because, you know, Dylan Sandberger is the other guy that I was going to mention, because again, he stood out for all the right reasons in the game against Seattle. But that that's something that everybody's picked up on over the past few weeks since he re-entered the lineup. But what's nice with these two in particular is that, you know what, most likely and, and probably best for the team is seeing those guys at the bottom of the lineup, right? Like it's probably, you know, quote-unquote best if Morgan Barron's on this team's fourth line next year and if Dylan Sandberg is on this team's third pair, right? Because it means that there's players better than them ahead of them in the depth chart. But having said that, I would not feel concerned whatsoever if Morgan Barron was slotted in the top nine to begin next season. I would not be concerned if Dylan Sandberg was a second pair defenseman heading into game one of next season. That's the kind of jumps you need from young players in your organization to step up 
you know, when there's players that get traded, when there's players that depart in free agency and you're trying to fill in the roster on the cheap to have guys like Barron, to have guys like Sandberg that can play pretty much anywhere in your lineup, that's a massive, massive boon. It's something, honestly, this team's been missing, you know, going back to kind of like the Tanev, Cop, Roslovic, even Line A, RFA days, where, where they were all making under a million bucks around that. This team hasn't gotten as many contributions from those type of players because they haven't been making as many draft picks, you know, trying to chase a cup in their very brief window a few years ago. So to have guys like Barrett and Sandberg step up and, and let their presence known that, you know what, we're not prospects anymore. We're NHLers and we're ready to go. That was the most positive. It was the most positive part of this team's season for the past couple of weeks, even though you had guys like Ehlers and Connor and Dubois, etc., playing really, really good hockey. On top of that, you have one forward, one defenseman, and one goalie too step up. Because, you know what? When you when you try to find the feel-good stories of this past year, I don't know if you can find a better one than Eric Carmi's play. And he didn't get a, a ton of ice time. And to be totally fair, he, he didn't get the ice time that his play warranted because he was so, so damn steady for this team all year long. Eric Comer, you could put him, while he's a bit older, put him in the same bill as those two other guys. That's an NHL player moving forward. And that must feel so damn good for Eric Comrie to hear. But, you know, he's he's at the very worst a backup goalie in the NHL. And I think everyone's in agreement that, you know, he, he's not going to play 35, 40 games next year or anything like that. But at the bare minimum, it's got to be 20 to 25. Right, like I, I just with how well Carmi's played, with how overworked Connor Hellebuck looked at times, there really shouldn't be much of a reason for Connor Hellebuck to play more than sixty games next season. So another, if you're gonna find slices of optimism, the Winnipeg Jets got at, at least one in each in each position out there on the ice. So you know, from from Connor Hellebuck's perspective, at the very least, great to know that hey, maybe I don't have to play. 8 out of 10 games, 9 out of 10 games every month. I can get a little bit of a rest. And a well-rested, well-refreshed Connor Hellebuck is going to do wonders, I think, for the team next season. So we'll leave it at that for the Winnipeg Jets for this episode because, look, we, we've got a ton of time before the offseason gets underway to discuss the coaching, the management, player personnel, who needs to go, who has to stay, all that stuff. We've got a long, long road ahead of us, so we've got a ton of topics to get to. I don't want to waste it all in the first one immediately after the season ends. So I do want to shift gears here because the playoffs kind of snuck up on me at least, and, and they're starting on Monday. And before we make some picks and have some fun and figure out who's going to go all the way and, and what that might mean for both the Jets and the NHL moving forward... I gotta, I gotta give some credit, right? Because you know what, I have no problem dishing out criticism, but if you're gonna dish out criticism, you have to be willing as well to give props when they're due. And so, in a rarity, let's give the NHL their props and a huge round of applause because they hit it out of the park with the first round schedule. There, there's no other way to say it. They, they, they totally nailed it. And all they did was just follow through on what everybody has been asking for for the past 10 years when it comes to the way games are scheduled. But if you could believe this, we have staggered start times 
no back-to-backs. It's game, rest, game, rest, game, rest. The rest of the way forward for the rest of the first round. The same four teams will play on each day, every day, moving forward until we head to round two. And it's just, it, it honestly brings a tear to my eye to see on Monday, one game start at 6, one game start at 6.30, then 8.30, then 9. That, that, they did it. Like, it's, it's, I'm so happy they finally did it. It's such a simple solution to not have every game start at the exact same time. It took a few years, but the NHL finally did that. So it's going to make for some great viewing here. And honestly, there's going to be some damn good matchups. There, there really is only a couple of stinkers when you look at this first round. Like These are going to be some high, high-intensity, high-skill, super emotional, intriguing matchups that we're going to have the joy to witness over the next couple of weeks here. So let's make some picks for round one, and then I'll give you the rest of my bracket. Who's going to the cup final? Who's lifting Lord Stanley? Who wins Conn Smythe? All that. Let's have some fun here. So we'll start off with, let, let's go by the Monday games first, and then we'll see who plays on Tuesday after that. So we'll kind of go in chronological order here, if, if that works for you guys. So the first game on the docket on Monday is, of course, the one that I've had the most difficulty picking here. But the Metro Division winning Carolina Hurricanes, their reward for being tops in one of the better divisions in hockey is facing the Boston Bruins, who might be a tougher matchup than either the Rangers, the Penguins, or the Capital, the three other teams in the Metro. And, you know, the Hurricanes win the division, and they ended up facing, you know, maybe the fifth best team in all of hockey in the Boston Bruins. So a tough draw for them in this one. I, I really do like Carolina. I love the way they play. I mean, if I'll tell you what, if the Winnipeg Jets played that way, we, we'd be talking about, you know, can the Winnipeg Jets win their first round series having home ice advantage in game one? Every, every team should play the way that the Carolina Hurricanes do. But with Freddie Anderson on the mend, his status is uncertain here. I, I don't know if I love... The matchup stylistically against the Boston Bruins. I they're just I I've got alarm bells ringing all over the place here. I just got a sense that there's going to be a five man unit the Boston Bruins put out in this series that the Carolina Hurricanes just aren't going to be able to match. And I think we all know who that is. It's going to be led by Patrice Bergeron. Brad Marchand is going to be on one of his wings. And then maybe most importantly, you know, even if Pasternak spends the majority of his time on line two, like he has over the past few weeks for the Bruins, seeing that DeBrusque has kind of taken, you know, his game to an level beside those two, to have Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm as that deep pair behind them. I don't I don't know if Carolina's top-end guys have an answer for that. Like, and Ajo's ridiculous like he's a really good player and, and Carolina's got a lot more skill than I think a lot of teams a lot of people give them credit for but I just don't think they have an answer to match that I that's all it really comes down to for me you know I think I think depth wise Carolina has an advantage in this series and you could maybe even make the case in goaltending too because it's been up and down for the Bruins all year long but I'm I'm gonna bet on on the big dogs for the Bruins to grab themselves a win in this series. I think Boston takes this one in, we'll, we'll say, 
we'll say six games. I'll, I'll take the Bruins in six over the Hurricanes. Tough end to the season for Carolina if it does play out that way. But I, I to me, it's just it's hard to ignore the fact that Patrice Bergeron, at 37 years old, is having the best season that he's ever had offensively and defensively on top of it, too. I just, I, I think he's going to take this one over and it's going to be a bitter pill to swallow for the Carolina Hurricanes. So that's the first series that kicks off the NHL playoffs. I'll take Boston over Carolina. Then the big one, <laughs> the, the by far the most intriguing matchup in round one. Of course, it involves the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. So Tampa going for a three-beat Toronto desperately trying to get out of round one for the first time in a couple of decades, it feels like. I feel like I'm Charlie Brown with a football all over again doing this with Toronto. But even with the edge and goal with Vasilevsky, even with Victor Hedman being the best defenseman by a mile in this series... I actually kind of like this matchup for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I think I think Tampa Bay is a better matchup for them than playing some of the lesser thens like Columbus or, or Montreal or, or even Boston potentially if they had to face them in round one trying to slay that demon again. I guess there's really a few reasons why I'm picking the Leafs to finally get it done here. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be the one that picks Toronto to beat Tampa Bay. But... One is that I think the Leafs actually play better against high-end teams. I would be more worried if they were, you know, an overwhelming favorite going up against like the 7th or 8th seed in this one, to be quite honest. I think we're going to see the Leafs play their best hockey in this one. And the second point is that Austin Matthews has just taken his game to a completely new level. And I'd even throw in a third one on, on top of all that. And that's just the fact that I wonder if the Lightning are exhausted. Right? Like they've played so much hockey in such weird fashions over these past few seasons that I just wonder if it's starting to catch up to them because they weren't the same dominant team down the stretch of this regular season. Sure, they could be, you know, to to some extent reserving some energy in the tanks there, but you know, outside of outside of guys like Victor Hedman and Steven Stamkos, I just don't think we've seen the Lightning as dangerous as they have been before. So when you take that into consideration, all those factors, for me, I think Matthews has a big series. I think Jack Campbell is really good for the Leafs. But I, I think John Tavares is kind of the... John Tavares is going to be the X factor for the Maple Leafs. I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on John Tavares. I think he has a huge, huge series. The captain puts the team on his back. And the Maple Leafs, I'll be the idiot that says it. Finally get it done. They slay their demon and they win a playoff round for the first time in the Kyle Dubas era. And they do so in six games. They do it on the road because if it gets to a game seven at home, it'll be curtains once again. So I'll take the Leafs to beat the Lightning in six and advancing to round two. Now continuing as far as chronological order with the schedule, you know, Lightning Leafs is my top playoff series to watch in round one the second one is going to be the minnesota wild up against the st louis blues if you like backyard hockey if you like brawls in the alley if you like tackle football on ice this is going to be the series for you it's it's going to be an absolute bloodbath 
and I can't wait. And there's a ton of skill, too. That's the best part. Like, Minnesota is now a high-octane offensive team. The Blues are one of the deepest offensive groups in all of hockey. So you're going to get a ton of offense. You're going to get a ton of physicality. I love the way Minnesota plays. I think it's a tight, tight series. But I really, really like the way Minnesota's coming together right now. Love their style of play. I think Kaprizov is going to continue his regular season play, and he'll be just tremendous once again. You know, it'll be interesting if either Fleury or Talbot gets the start. I don't think we've heard that yet, but but Talbot ended the year 13-0-3. So maybe you play the hot hand in game one, and if he falters, you've got a pretty damn good safety net in Marc-Andre Fleury ready to go behind him. But ultimately, I think... I think the biggest weakness between these two teams lies in the St. Louis Blues back end. And I don't know. I when, when they played the Jets a little while back, I just thought to myself, they cannot move the freaking puck out of their own end. And they got Nick Letty in a trade from Detroit. I, I just don't think that's going to be enough. I think Minnesota's forecheck is going to cause the Blues a ton of problems. And I think the Minnesota Wild take a tightly fought, hard, contested matchup against the St. Louis Blues, and they'll also do it in six games as well. The final game of Monday night, we'll see Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers up against the Los Angeles Kings. Now, I'll tell you what. If Drew Doughty was playing in this series, I would take the LA Kings over the Oilers. Unfortunately, he is not. So you can kind of get the sense of where I'm going with this one. I just think he's such a massive part of that team. And once you get into the postseason, as we've seen in Winnipeg over these past few years, if you don't have that number one workhorse guy, it is just tough, especially going up against some of the best offensive forwards of of this generation. Now, there's some great defensive centers in Deneau and Kopitar in L.A., and they'll make life difficult for the Edmonton Oilers, but... Ah, man, that, that blue line in L.A. just isn't giving me enough fear. I, I think it's a flawed Oilers team, but I think the Oilers got quite possibly one of the best matchups in the entire postseason bracket to kick off round one. And even having said that, I'm going to take the Oilers in seven, <laughs> right? I, I just I don't have a lot of faith in this Oilers team, and I think the Kings are a super, super underrated bunch. It's just really unfortunate that Drew Doughty isn't going to be good to go for them. So I'll take the Oilers to squeak out a win in that series in seven games. Now on Tuesday, we see four more series get underway. The first one being the Pittsburgh Penguins heading out to Broadway to take on the New York Rangers. Now, I'll tell you what, I probably wouldn't pick the Pittsburgh Penguins to win a series, even if they were going up against, you know, the Hartford Wolfpack. It's just not in my DNA. But I legitimately think the New York Rangers are going to win this series. I don't know if they're the better team, But they're certainly playing better hockey right now. I mean, the cop trade, the Vetrano trade at the deadline, those two moves have been huge for New York. And I I just think Shesterkin over to Smith is such a, it might be one of the bigger mismatches of any position we see in the entire first round. And we've seen Pittsburgh get goalied a few times these past few postseasons. I think it happens again. And the Rangers have had their number this season. I I really, I feel really confident about this one. More confident than a bunch of my other picks I've made with those first four matchups. But I'll take the Rangers to take down the Pittsburgh Penguins. I kind of want to say in five games, but I'll, I'll give Pittsburgh a bit of credit and say this one goes six. But I like the Rangers to take this one. 
Jets fans will want the Rangers to take this one as well. Remember, if the Rangers go to the Eastern Conference Finals, Andrew Kopp, that trade, nets a, a, nets a first-round pick instead of a second-round pick. So it's in the Winnipeg Jets' best interest to root for a deep, deep New York Rangers playoff run. Now, quickly here before we wrap up the episode, out east, the final matchup of round one sees the Florida Panthers, the President's Trophy winners, up against the Washington Capitals. Now, being completely transparent here, I really, I really wanted to pick against the Florida Panthers in the first round before I knew who their opponent was going to be. I just, we've seen it happen so many times with teams that are quote unquote destined to move on and, and go on deep playoff runs and all that. We've just seen them flame out early time and time again. But I've got absolutely zero faith in the Washington Capitals. I just, stylistically, this could not be a worse matchup for the Capitals to have the, the run-and-gun high-flying Panthers as their opponent. I mean, Washington's going to try and, and out-physical them every chance they get. I just don't think they're going to be able to keep up with them. And I don't like Washington's goaltending whatsoever at all. Aaron Ekblad coming back is just such a massive boost. Uh, this is a quick one. It's going to be the quickest series in round one. Uh, I'm going to take a sweep. This will be the lone sweep of round one. The Florida Panthers taking down the Washington Capitals. Now, two more series out west to wrap this up here. Nashville, the tall task to take down the mighty Colorado Avalanche. I think Nashville's going to make... Colorado work for this one a little bit here. I, I think the Preds are, I, I've kind of enjoyed watching the Preds this year. I don't know if enough people give credit for Matt Duchesne's resurgent season being over a point of game guy this year. But like we all know, Colorado just, they're, they're, they're too talented. If it was a different matchup, maybe I'd have a bit more pause. But especially with UC Soros out, I think the Colorado Avalanche do enough to get this one done. I'm going to say the Avs take it in six, though. I, I think the Preds, I think the Preds make the Avs work for a little more. Maybe, maybe that helps Colorado heading into round two. I don't know. We'll see. But I'll take the the Avalanche as the rest of the free world is going to do, and they'll do so in six games. Finally, the Calgary Flames take on the Dallas Stars. You know what? If if you want to, if you're looking at sprinkling money on Stanley Cup winners. Or, or even just Stanley Cup Finals appearances, it's it's pretty tough to bet on anybody other than the Flames because they're going to have the easiest path to a conference finals out of any other team in the NHL. To take on the Dallas Stars and then to take on the winner of Oilers-Kings, you got to love, 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 love the Flames' path to a Stanley Cup appearance here. Um, so obviously I'm taking Calgary in this one. Not much of a debate for me. Calgary's better in every facet of the game than Dallas. So I'll take the Flames to beat the Stars in five games. So that's how I see round one going down. The rest of the playoffs. Let's go right to the final four here. I know everybody everybody is picking and hoping for Colorado, Florida, it seems. Like they're the two best teams in the NHL this season. There, there's no argument for me on that one. But we never see those two teams make it to the cup final, right? Like we never see the two best teams play each other. So I am not picking Colorado or Florida to get to the Final Four. Instead, I like, and get ready for this, this would be a dream Eastern Conference Final. But I have the Toronto Maple Leafs making the Eastern Conference Final. And they will take on the Boston Bruins. 
That's right. I, I think Boston will be heavy favorites over the Rangers. They screw over the Jets as well in the process, but we get a dream matchup of Bruins Leafs to go to the cup final there. And then out West, I've got the Calgary Flames comfortably going to the West Finals up against the Minnesota Wild. I freaking love the Wild's chances against the Avalanche in round two. I think it's I think it's so similar to Vegas facing Colorado last year. I think Minnesota is going to bully and make life tough on the Avs, and I don't think they're going to have an answer for it. So I think the dream ends for Colorado once again, unfortunately, even though I want to see them go far. I'm going to take Calgary-Minnesota as my Western Conference final. That leads us to a Minnesota-Toronto Stanley Cup final. Oh my gosh, I picked the Maple Leafs in the Cup final. What am I thinking? Well, what I'm thinking is that's the perfect way to set up the massive heartbreak because I will go out on a major, major limb here and say that the Minnesota Wild will be the 2022 Stanley Cup champions. They break the hearts of the Toronto Maple Leafs and they do so in a game seven for the ages. Kirill Kaprizov takes home the Conn Smythe trophy as well. And that is how I see the Stanley Cup playoffs unfolding this year. And wouldn't that be something? Who would have ever thought that the Minnesota Wild, you know, say four or five years ago, might win a Stanley Cup before the Winnipeg Jets would? And and that's where we are, where the Wild are actual Stanley Cup contenders going into this season. Didn't work out that way for the Winnipeg Jets. So we're pretty much done with this episode here. Before we officially wrap things up, though, I have to give a shout out and I have to follow up on on seemingly everybody in the hockey world in giving major, major love to the one and only Dennis Bayak, who is now officially calling it a career with NHL play-by-play. I think he's still going to do some international games for TSN down the road, which is a pretty damn good way to be a, a part-time worker. Hey, Danny, working in Europe every summer for the next couple of years. Yeah, that, that that's a pretty good life strategy he's got going there. So, I mean, like everybody else, major, major congrats to Dennis on an amazing, amazing, illustrious career. And I can really only echo what everybody else has said about him is that he is legitimately he's one of the nicest people you ever meet. And in my, I don't know if it's my current or my former industry, but in that industry, there can be a lot of a-holes. There's a lot of beauties, but there's also a lot of people on the other side of the spectrum. And Dennis was nowhere near that. I mean, right, right from the get-go, you could tell. Super nice guy, all class. And... You know, maybe it's because I started out at the bottom that I kind of view people in this in this way. Maybe it's weird. Maybe it, it, it matters. I don't know. But I, I've always put a lot of stock into how, especially people that are in like a higher position, like higher up on the totem pole, I've always put a ton of stock into how they interact and how they treat people that are well below them, Right. Because I think that says a lot more about who you are than the way you talk to a boss or or anybody like that, right? And even though I was just a a first-time worker, young kid at TSN 1290, right? He could easily forget my name. He could easily, you know, barely ever talk to me, barely ever notice me, and, and nothing would have happened. 
always went out of his way to say hi, always went out of his way to give advice, always went out of his way to remember, oh, hey, how was, how was this prayer? You mentioned this. How's this going? Or, hey, have you thought about doing this? Always just doing these little things that, that really meant a lot to me. And so I, I just I really appreciate, you know, the way Dennis treated people, the way Dennis treated myself. And it's, I don't know, a good reminder that it, it's really, really easy. It's really easy and it's really impactful to be nice and kind to people. And, and Dennis was a shining example of that. So, again, I'll just echo what everybody else said and, and probably did so a little more eloquently than I did. But an absolute beauty. And I hope you enjoy your semi-retirement, Dennis. And, hey, enjoy a few weeks in Europe every, uh, every couple times a year. If you ever need somebody to, to help you out or carry your suitcase or whatever it is, give me a shout. And I'd, I'd love to be your assistant for, for some of that time as well. Uh, but that's going to do it for the episode here. Thank you guys so much for listening once again here to Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We'll be back at it at some point this week. We'll we'll see what the Kevin Shovel Day Off presser has in store. If, if there's enough juice, I might, I might drop another episode on Tuesday or Wednesday. But at the very least, you'll hear from me once again later on by the end of this week as we officially... Head into the playoffs, and we officially head into the start of our Winnipeg Jets offseason talk, where there will be plenty to discuss and plenty to break down as well. Until then, though, have a great week. Have a safe week on top of that as well. And we'll get back at it at some point in a few days here. Once again, thanks for listening. Have a great time, everybody. Peace.